Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. Let's get into the Summer at the Movies. Let's talk about cheat codes a little bit, all right? So do you guys remember uh, old video games especially used to have cheat codes? Now, I grew up in PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2 era, all right? Um, and I'm a little bit younger than some people in this room, a little bit older than others. And, but I remember cheat codes being like a thing, right? Like uh, in Sims 4, or well, not Sims 4, the Sims games, those computer games, they ended up putting them on PlayStation. There was an unlimited money hack, all right. If you don't know, everything costs money in The Sims and you built like a house or whatever. Well, I never played Sims unless I had the unlimited money hack because <laughs> I wanted to make the biggest mansion possible for my Sims, right? Um, or if anyone ever, does anyone remember Crash Bandicoot? Crash Bandicoot? I have a little slide, all right? So there was an accomplishment basically that came when you completed the game at 100%, all right? And so this 100% uh, was like, yeah, you did it all. You, f you figured all the little secret rooms and you got all the little diamonds and, and stuff. Um, you know, you broke all the boxes, whatever. I'm, I'm losing a, a few of you right now. <laughs> all right, so Crash Bandicoot. You could complete the game, but that doesn't mean you got a 100%. So there was a cheat code that gave you the 100%. It just, you could just cheat code into completing the game, basically, right? Um, now, I don't know what sense of accomplishment that is, but you could do it, right? Here's the thing. In life, sometimes it feels like a cheat code would just be the easy way out of things. I wish I had a cheat code for losing extra 20 pounds. What combination of up, down, side, side, X, X, jump, you know, I, I, what punch combo and kick combo do I need? Now, actually, I just described kickboxing is what I actually just described. Um, how do, how do I lose 20 pounds? Or, man, my neighbor makes so much more money than I do. What kind of cheat code do I need to do in order to, to get that, right? Or like, that person in my life group, their kids are perfect. Their kids are perfect. Or maybe that person on Instagram or that person on TikTok, they are beautiful. They are so good looking. Their hair is always luscious and, and whatever. I... What thing in your life do you say, I wish I had a cheat code to have that? I wish I had the easy way. One of the number one reasons why the lottery still exists is because people want a cheat code for easy money, right? You want a cheat code for easy money. You say, all I have to do is invest five, 10, $15, and I could win millions and millions of dollars. The lottery exists because they're handing out a lot of money, guys, right? The lottery exists because they're handing out, so do those casinos. They exist because they're just handing out money left and right. No, they're trying to fulfill a cheat code in life and people are buying into it. My thing for you that I want you to understand today is I don't want you to buy into the cheat codes of this world. I don't want you to give in to the, the standards that this world has set. And I wish I had an easy way of doing that. That's not what I want. But I do want to say that there is a cheat code in this life and that's the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gives you powers and understanding and wisdom. And we're going to talk about this a little bit. But sometimes it just feels like, I wish I had something. And, and the Holy Spirit is that something, right? Now, 
I will say, when we try to do it by our own power, we mess up. When we try to do it by ourselves, we have issues. And uh, so there's a movie, it used to be on the Golf Channel all the time, and it's gonna be a movie clip today. It's from the Iron Cup. And basically what you're gonna see, I'll, I'll describe it afterwards, but I love this movie, I used to watch it with my dad. Um, so let's go ahead and watch the, the Cheat Code movie clip. If I bet you $1,000 against my car, that I can beat you in any game. Any game, you name it, with a golf club. I'll take the bet. Oh, yes! yes! All right. <laughs> what's, the, what's the game? Your seven iron, Roy. One swing each. Whoever hits it the longest. It's a lot. I hit the seven iron like John Davey hits the three. <laughs> winner, winner, ticket yeah. down! Go take my beer, Kurt. Yeah. Thank you. Right here, okay? Fine with me. You know, you guys are really being childish. Leave this one to me, darling. I know what I'm doing, too. You know what? I'll see you both in the bar. Bye. Dollar bills. Yeah! <laughs> hey, them signs are at least 30 yards for air. That ball must have gone 220. Not 227. Told her a bit, but it'll do. Go ahead. Take your time. Number up. Fine with me. Yeah, that's all right. I don't need to. Well, yeah, take your jacket off. No, no, I'm fine. You're gonna have to muscle up, big guy, to get it out there. Gotta give it the old steroid jerk. He was being a bit, uh, a little overconfident, right? He'd been a little, drink, drinking a little bit and all that kind of stuff. But the fact stands that, I mean, he hit a seven iron, 227 yards. If you know golf, that is, that is a powerful seven iron, right? He put all of his muscle, all of his form, he, he cranked that sucker and man, it was a good hit, right? He did all that he could do, yet the antagonist in the movie figured out a loophole to the game, right? He figured out a, a way to beat the system. And sometimes it feels like, how did the people in my life figure out a way to beat this system? You know what I mean? And so in Second Kings, we're going to be working through a passage of scripture in which I can bet you that this king felt like he was dealing someone who who found some cheat codes, who found a loophole in the system. So before we get into this, we are going to be reading 2 Kings 6, but let's go ahead and let's pray. 
So Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for blessing us and allowing us to be here. Father, I pray that you would give us um, eyes to see, ears to hear what you have to say to us, that our hearts would be open to your message this morning. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so once again, we are in 2 Kings 6, 8 through, I think it's like 22. So um, here's the thing. I probably butchered this sermon about five times. Um, I wrote it, chopped it up, switched it up, tried to look at a different, whole bunch of different ways. And what I kept coming back to was the fact that we need to work through this passage. All right. Um, now for thousands of years, all right, hundreds of years, they did not have a easy way of printing off Bibles. They did not have an easy way of printing off text. So what they would do is you were lucky if you owned one passage of scripture. You were lucky if you own one scroll, one Bible. Um, most people did not own four or five or six. Uh, you know, every hotel they went into didn't have a Bible sitting in the nightstand. Now, why do I say this? Because I think it's very important for as a, as a church to not always lose base of where we are. Just because we have the ability to privately read sections at a time, I think it's also good to publicly read through passages of scripture, basically, right? Uh, now, this is what they would do. They would read through it, and then they would have discussions and teachings on it. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to read through this whole passage of 2 Kings 6. And I just hope that you stick with me because I think it's a phenomenal passage of what the Holy Spirit's guidance can do, uh, not just in the lives of the characters, but also in your lives as well. So let's go Go ahead, let's get into this, and uh, we're going to read through it. So, 2 Kings 6, 8. Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. All right, so it doesn't really matter where the camp was. He was just basically saying, we're going to set it up in this place or in this place. Um, and that's where you see this. So, the man of God sent word to the king of Israel. The man of God's name was Elisha, all right? So the man of God sent the king or sent word to the king of Israel, beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked out the place indicated by the man of God. Time and time and again Elisha warned the king so that he was on guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, Tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel. None of us, my lord, the king, said one of his officers, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Go and find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back, he is in Dothan. All right, so I bet you that the king of Aram feels like he got cheated out, right? He had these strategic battle plans. He would go drop his troops in a certain area, right? What they were doing is, which the story doesn't highlight, they were raiding the territory in the kingdom of Israel, right? They were going in, they were, they were burning, they were taking crops, they were raiding the villages, they were doing different things like that. And basically they were planting their tents and like camps, um, both for strategic purposes, but also in order to move and go take take places, right? And so what Elisha was doing is he was helping give word to the king to either avoid or, hey, the enemy's in these places. Does it, this make sense, everybody? All right. Now, this is key to this whole passage. This is key to what I want to say today is the king of Aram was like, how the heck does, does the king of Israel know all of our battle plans. How does he know where we're going to be and when we're going to be there? And he thinks that there's a spy in their camp with their officer. Someone's giving them intel. And one of his officers says, no, 
there's a prophet in, a, in Israel who tells the king the very words that you say in your bedroom. The very words you say in your bedroom. I don't know about y'all, but if someone was reporting to the king the words that I was saying in my bedroom, you know, like, like it, it'd be a little weird, right? Um, he probably was just absolutely confused. And, and so he demands that his people go and capture him. And so what, what's the point of this passage? What, what is the point that I'm trying to bring out? The first thing is that I want to bring up is that Elisha followed the guidance of the, Holy, of the Spirit of God. He followed the guidance of the Spirit of God, and that is what allowed him to have knowledge and understanding of what was happening in uh, the king of Aram's like councils and discussions, right? He knew what was going on in the bedroom of the king because he was following the guidance of the Spirit of God. Now, Elisha didn't have superpowers, right? He didn't have super hearing. He didn't have like Spider-Man sticking to the wall, climbing up. You know, he wasn't like shrinking himself down to a fly and then listening. He didn't have some crazy spy network either. He didn't have superpowers. He didn't have a spy network. He simply had the Spirit of God. He simply had the Spirit of God. And that gave him crazy, ridiculous cheat codes in life. But the, the thing about these cheat codes is that they weren't artificial. They weren't something that this world could give you. It's simply something that comes with the power of the Holy Spirit. Elisha was chosen as a prophet. He actually got a double portion. And what we see is we see that he is using that for the kingdom of Israel, who are God's chosen people. Now, Elisha had real knowledge and real power, not just some fake cheat codes, uh, this came from listening to the guidance of God. He listened to the guidance of God. And so um, basically we see that despite the fact that Elisha has all this power, he does not act selfishly. He does not act within his own interest. He's, he's doing this on behalf of God. He's doing it on behalf of God. And so when, when I think of like guidance though, the key word here that I'm talking through is the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Um, does anyone remember a time before you had GPS on your phone? Does anyone remember a time? All right. So um, we, like, that's how I grew up driving, right? I'm, I'm barely in that time frame where by the time I got to college, I then had like a little dash GPS, right? Um, that thing had to be updated constantly, but it was still great. I remember being lost in Texas one time because that's where I went to school. So I'm, I'm lost in Texas. I'm in some little tiny place and because I got off the map quest that I had printed out. So I got off of it and I remember calling my mom and saying like, I need you to go to the church, go, actually I think we had internet at the house. I need you to go and search this road and this road in this part of Texas and tell me how to get back onto the highway because I don't know where I'm at right now. Like, like I remember doing, doing things like this. Um, but so using GPS feels like a phenomenal guidance system, right? It feels like a, a great guidance system, but there's also something that's like in your head when you have streets memorized, like it, it's nice, isn't it? Like when you have streets memorized and you know like, well, Lorraine intercepts with Bagley at this point, so I can get to this place from this place, whatever, right? 
At some point though, you're going to be in a position in which you don't know where to go and you don't know what to do. And that's one of the massive benefits of GPS. Like I might be able to navigate myself around North Ridgeville and the surrounding area a little bit better than the GPS because I know where all the, you know, little nooks and, you know, I know all the side roads, right? I know all the back roads. I know which one I can go 55 and a 35 on. I know which one I can go 85 and I don't even know if it's marked. You know what I mean? Like I know these things, but at some point I'm going to be in a place in which I don't know where I'm at, right? If I go over to Akron, I don't know the streets of Akron very well. And that is one of the huge helps of a GPS, of a guidance system. And what I want you guys to know is that you can have all these amazing things locked up in your head. You can have all this power. You can have all this knowledge and this wisdom and this understanding. You can have it all. But at some point, you're going to be lacking. At some point, you're going to be lacking. And that is when it is crucial that we, de- that we depend on the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And actually, the funny thing is, is that it's not just in those moments that we should be depending on the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We should also be depending on the guidance of the Holy Spirit through our day-to-day lives. When we know what's going to happen, when we're driving the streets of North Ridgeville, we should also be depending on the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Does this make sense, everybody? All right. So, Elisha had real power, but he didn't use it for himself. He depended on the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So, Let's go ahead. Let's get into the rest of this passage. 2 Kings 6, 14 through 17. Then he sent horses, talking about the king, right? Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. He went by night and surrounded the city. Then the servant of the man of God. So this is the servant of Elisha, right? So the servant of the man of God got up, went out early the next morning. An army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. That the... Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Man, this is a powerful moment right here. Because Elisha, A, trusts in God, but B, he has his eyes open already. Elisha has his eyes open. That's the second thing I wanted to bring up. And notice that the servant does not. Now, Elisha did not have to pray for salvation. He did not have to pray for rescue. He didn't have to pray for God to do some crazy big miracle. Why? Because his eyes were already open to the truth that God was already with them. His eyes were already open to the fact that God was already present and working in the situation and that they were already rescued. So he didn't need to pray for rescue when it was already there. Now, the servant's eyes, they were not open, right? He was freaking out. He was letting his fear and his worries, he was letting the people, or like the people standing in front of him, overwhelm his knowledge. And I'll bet you, if he's a servant of Elisha, he's seen amazing things happen because of the prophet Elisha. Literally a few verses before this story, Elisha makes an ax head float out of the water, right? Like that is, that is the story. I'll bet you the servant has seen amazing things, yet he allows what he's seeing in front of him to blind him. How often do you do this? My prayer for you today is that you would not be blind to the movement of the Spirit around you and in you because there's hope and joy that comes with uh, uh, the Spirit of freedom. 
And I want you to experience that hope and joy. I don't want you to be blind because of your fears and worries. Now, there's a, there, there's a, there's a song that I actually love, right? Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere, right? What are we doing? We're inviting the Holy Spirit to come into this place. We're inviting the Spirit to work in our lives. What I want to say, though, is that that is a formality. It's a formality because Scripture says that when you accept Christ into your heart, the Spirit's already within you. The Spirit's already working in this place. The Spirit's already working in your life. The Spirit's already trying to give you guidance, but we ignore him. We ignore the guidance of the Holy Spirit because oftentimes, A, we can't get over what our vision is, but we're just blind to the movements of the Spirit. So I pray that your eyes would be open. We just constantly do this. It, it, we had a senior speak um, not too long ago at, at our youth, and basically she talked about how God can have a door that's wide open, and she put these dollies in front of the door and basically asked one of the students, go through the doorway without touching the dollies, and he like couldn't get through, right? We could see the other side, but we couldn't get past the thing that we had put there ourselves. And oftentimes we allow our fear to blind us. And I don't want you to walk around blind anymore. Now, Matthew 6, 26 says this, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? I don't want you to be blind by the worries in front of you. Now, am I saying that it's bad to worry at all? No, I think a little bit of worry keeps us sane, right? Like when I panic, follow my daughter around because I think she's going to fall down the steps or something. There's like a, there's a level of worry that's perfectly okay, right? Um, If she's going down the steps, the other day, I'm not joking, she just walked off the couch. I don't know why. (laughs) She's standing on the couch. I, I have her. And then all of a sudden she just goes... (laughs) and just falls right off the couch. Of course, she smacks it. I kind of like caught her arm a little bit, but she still like thumped her head right on the, it's carpet, it's fine. But (laughs) whatever. Uh, That's like the dad within me. She's like crying and I'm just like, get up, you wimp. You know what I mean? (laughs) You're two already. Haven't you taken worse hits than this? Um, (laughs) um, Anyways, so like, I don't even remember where I was going with that. I would, I would say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit of worry is healthy, right? A little bit of concern is okay, right? If you are about to retire in three years and you've done no financial backing and you just said, well, we'll figure it out, that's stupid, right? That, that's a bad idea. A little bit of financial worry where, where you're trying to set yourself up and you're trying to do these things, that's okay. There's a difference between that and storing up and, and being so anxious that it runs your entire life. We have to trust in God at some point. We have to trust in the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Um, I, the, the amount of trust that I had in God changed drastically when I got called into the ministry. Because from a summer camp, I basically was called into ministry. I did not know what I wanted to do. Um, I thought maybe Air Force. I thought maybe go into vet school because I liked working with animals. I thought maybe be a lawyer. Like those are three very different, uh, you know, jobs, right? I had no idea what I wanted to do and I had worries. I had concerns. And then one summer camp, God very openly called me into ministry going from my junior to my senior year. And that was a moment in which I go, 
I don't understand how I'm going to be a pastor. I don't understand how I'm going to do this. But actually, this makes sense, and I'm going to trust in you. That was a change in my demeanor. Have you ever had an experience in which God reveals himself to you and he shows himself to you and it takes away your worries and fears? Why not live in a state of life like that at all times? Why not trust in the guidance of the Holy Spirit at all times? Wouldn't that make your life so much easier? Yeah, and it's not simply easier for your benefit. It's actually easier because you're willing to do whatever God sends you to do, right? He says, go walk up to your neighbor and go tell them to go to Harvest Palooza. You follow the will of God in that moment. That's an awesome. When you drop those worries and anxieties and fears at the door and you say, I'll do whatever it takes. Elisha didn't care about looking silly. He didn't have to care about looking silly because he knew that he had the power of God. That's what I want for you. Sound good? Cool. Let's go ahead. Let's keep moving. All right. Second Kings 18 through 22. As the enemy came down towards him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike this army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Once again, we're seeing the power of Elisha, right? All he does is ask God to do something. And because it's within the will of God, that's what he does. That's pretty cool to me. So he struck them with blindness. Elisha told them, this is not the road and this is not the city. That is, there, there's like a, there's a term, it's called gaslighting. This is like the biggest gaslighting in the, like they're outside the city knowing full well that that's where the, the guy is. And he just goes, no, nah, this is not the road. This is not the city. Let me show you a different way. Like that is crazy right there, right? So after they had, oh, sorry. Follow me and I will lead you to the man you are looking for. He is the man that they're looking for, by the way. And he led them to Samaria. After they entered the city, Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so that they can see. Then the Lord opened their eyes and they looked and they saw that they were inside Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elisha, shall I kill them, my father? Shall I kill them? Do not kill them, Elisha answered. He, or would you kill those you had captured with your own sword or bow? Set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and go back to the master. So he prepared a way, sorry, he prepared a great feast for them. And after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away and they returned to their master. So the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. That last line is really, really key to this whole text. So the bands of Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. Who would have thought that by Elisha creating blindness, opening up their eyes, taking them to a different place, giving them food and water and a feast, not killing them, that that's what would be the thing that stops the raids on Israel? Who would have thought? Because I wouldn't have. You know, I think if you want to stop someone from doing something in this day and age, you just massacre half their army, right? Like you just go in, maybe, maybe you go behind them and, and you do a, you know, you, you get a second route or maybe you go back to their homeland. And you say like, we got your kingdom. What you going to do? You got to come back to, I don't know. There's like a million different strategies. Who would have thought by giving them a great feast that that's what would stop the raids? God did. It was God's plan. And Elisha trusted in that. What I want to let you guys know is that Elisha was rescued. Elisha was rescued, but it was not from his own power, his own knowledge, his own understanding. It was not from himself that he was rescued. He was rescued because it was the will of God, and he walked in the will of God. It wasn't his own power, but it was the will of God. 
Now, Elisha didn't need some cheat code. He didn't need to, to have, I don't know, he didn't need to pull out three arms and with all these swords and just start chopping through the arm. He didn't need to have something like that. He didn't need to have unlimited lives because he actually just trusted in the creator of the game. Do you trust in the creator of the game? This world is created by God, right? Every hair on your head is counted by him. Every thought and moment, he knows them. Why not trust in a God like that? Why not trust in the guidance of the Holy Spirit to guide you through things like that? So I typically end early and I am ending early here. But what I want you guys to know is that the same guidance and power that Elisha had is available to you. The same guidance and power that Elisha had is also available to you. John 14, 15 through 17 says this, if you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. First off, I want to say, if you love me, keep my commands. That is, that is something that we have to do in order to be in a relationship with God. It's not good enough just to go through daily life. And then I, I had a conversation with some of our youth students the other day, which was, if I just wait until the end of my life, right? We've all thought it. If I just wait until the end of my life and then while I'm on my deathbed, I just simply said, God, forgive me of my sins. Let me be in paradise with you. Does that count? Does it count, right? That would, that would make life way easier, right? Because it's hard to serve God, right? You, you have to do what the spirit desires, not the flesh. That's not fun. That's not easy. Actually, in my opinion, it is fun to do what the spirit desires, but it's a different level of fun, right? It's not what our world's standards of fun are. What I want you guys to know is that if we love God, we will do what he says. And then he promises us this, is that, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. Don't we need a little bit of spirit of truth in this world? Amen. Don't we need a little bit of spirit of truth in your lives? Right? When I don't know what to do when I'm disciplining my daughter, right? She's two. She doesn't understand. Like, I'm like, do I just give her a stern talking to? Do I let her scream it out? Do I beat her? I'm like, I don't know what to do, right? Like, like uh, all the, is there an all the above and none of the above? Like, I, I don't know what to do, guys. And I'm certain that parents in this place, especially with your first child or whichever one your troublemaker was, um, <laughs> at some point you said, God, I don't know what to do, right? But I do remember that we dedicated my daughter before the Lord. I do remember that at some point I said, God, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I know you do, so, so take her life and she's yours. When you commit your life to Christ, maybe your parents never did that. When you commit your life to Christ, when you get baptized, when you do these different things, when you give your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength to Christ, you're committing yourself to him and he's saying, it's okay, I know you don't know what to do, but I got you. Doesn't that give you comfort? Doesn't that give you some happiness, some joy, some hope that it's not all on your shoulders? I'll tell you what, the Holy Spirit is already within you if you've already asked God to be with you. Because right here, we see it. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. Wow, didn't we talk about blindness already a little bit earlier? And it does not see him. The world is blind to the movings of God. So why do we expect the world to, to be bound by what we as Christians think are good? Do you know what I mean? Like, 
the world just happens to have some of the same morality, but why are we surprised when the world doesn't do what God wants? The world is blind to what God has, and it's up to us to show them the light, to help them open their eyes. It it neither sees him nor knows him. And look at this, this is key. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. He lives with you and will be in you. You have an advocate. You have guidance. You have the ability. If you've given your heart to Christ, you have an advocate within you. But sometimes all it takes is listening. When I talk and listen, then the next time that God talks, the more likely I am to hear, right? It, how, how do moms know when their kid three aisles over says, mom, mom, mom's the same word that we call every other person. You know what I mean? Like, like that is the same word, but how do we know? It's because the mom has grown up and raised that little child and knows the voice, right? Listen to the Holy Spirit that way you can distinguish his voice. The more you listen, the easier it is to distinguish his voice. So that's my encouragement for you today. Don't be blind. Listen to his voice. The spirit of truth lives within you and is with you if you follow him. And the same power that rescued Elisha created blindness in, um, in the people, the army. The, the same power that, that helped open up their eyes and, and rescue them. The same power, funny enough, that gave mercy to the enemies right? Think about this, the fact that there was mercy given to the enemies of Israel. Do you ever have a moment in which you say, like, I don't know what to do with this person because they are so annoying. They are so terrible. They they come at me. They come at my family. They want to see death and destruction, right? Maybe that's a little dramatic. Maybe it's not. The option is not, I would say the best option is not to kill them, right? That's what the army could have done. No, what God actually did is he gave them mercy and then he gave them food and water. He actually had a great feast and then sent them and that's what changed. What if our lives looked a little bit more like giving mercy? Why not give a little bit more mercy to those who persecute you? Right? I think that's in scripture somewhere. Love those who persecute you. It's so difficult. That's why I said living the life of the spirit is not always easy but it is hope-filled and joyful because how much better would it be to have a story where you say, that person hated me and because of my mercy, because of God's mercy through me, actually, they're now one of my friends. They love me. We love each other, right? As, as Christ intended. That'd be pretty cool. The same power that allows that is within you. It's within you. Now, when I was in college, I'll, I'll kind of wrap up with this story. When I was in college, I was an RA, all right? So I was in charge of the hall, but then I was also in charge of the dorm as well. And I dealt with a whole lot of things in college. I dealt with people coming, knocking on my door at 1 a.m. I would like to say that I was asleep, but most of the time I was not. Um, and so, but I would get knocks on my door of people who either they were struggling with something and they just needed to talk or... I don't know, whatever reason, basically, right? I was, I was kind of an ear, and I helped them through different problems. And um, there would be many nights in which I would wake up, and the Holy Spirit would prompt me to go walk through the halls and pray for, for the guys in my hall. And this is a Christian university, right? So um, 
obviously we still struggle as Christians and not everybody there was the most devout follower of Christ as anybody who's ever been to a Christian school can attest, right? Um, but anyway, so th there was this guy in my hall, I think it was my senior year, and he um, basically knocked on my door. It's like 1.32 in the morning. That is not, I don't want to be talking to this guy at two in the morning, if we're being honest, right? He's, he's not one of my friends. He's a guy that is on my hall. And he's kind of awkward. He's kind of weird, just being honest. And so he sits down on my couch. I think he just wanted to talk. So we were talking. And basically during the conversation at some point, he basically brings up that he likes child pornography. And I was like, whoa. Like that's a huge thing to like talk to someone about. And part of it was like, I think he understood that that's not wrong. When he said that, there, there was a part of me that was like, I just want to get up and like beat him. Like, I don't know. Like that's just so messed up, right? Um, but I didn't. I sat in my chair and I just listened to him. And as soon as he said this, my first instinct was like, I don't know what to say. I don't know where to go from here. I don't know what to do. So I just simply started a prayer over and over. Holy Spirit, speak to me, speak through me. Holy Spirit, speak to me, speak through me. Like over and over again, I just continued to just pray for guidance of the Holy Spirit because I did not know what to do. I don't know if any of you have been in a situation like this where you did not know what to do and you just simply go, I don't know the words to say, you got to talk to me. You got to give me something. So basically, as this conversation goes along, um, things are, which anyone can attest to who's ever been moved by the Holy Spirit in this way, things are coming out of my mouth that I wouldn't normally say, right? Like I'm forming connections that I normally wouldn't and, and I'm surprised by some of the things that are coming out of my mouth, but it's great. I don't even remember the whole conversation. What I do remember is by the end of the conversation, I'm walking him back to his dorm room. We are sitting down. He's writing an email to our school's counseling department saying, I need an emergency meeting first thing in the morning. And then at 8 a.m. the next morning, I am walking with him and taking him to the counselor's office. I don't know how we got from my couch to that point. But what I do know is that at some point I said, I cannot handle this myself. I need the Holy Spirit's guidance and power. If you're struggling, if you're having times in your life in which you go, I don't know what to do, what to say, where to go from here. Pray for the Holy Spirit's guidance and power. Pray that your eyes would be open and that you would not be blind anymore to the movement of the, of the Holy Spirit in this world. So I would be remiss if I did not do this. If I've been talking this entire time, and I have said over and over, if you've given your life to Christ, you already have the Spirit within you, and you go, I've never given my life to Christ. I, I need to do this. I would miss out if, if I didn't pray with you, right? Everybody can agree to that? Everybody can agree that this would be a missed opportunity. So I'm, we're going to pray together, but also I want to encourage you guys to walk in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. So if everybody would stand with me. What we're going to do is no one prays alone here at Harvest Ridge. I'm not going to ask for hands. I'm not going to ask for you to, to come up to the front and pray with me individually. We're all just going to pray together. And if this is something that's been hitting at you and you say, like, I don't want to do life by myself anymore. I don't want to be walking through by myself. I need the Holy Spirit's intervention in my life. We're going to pray together. So everybody prays all at once. That way no one's praying alone. Ready? Dear Jesus, thank you for your salvation. Thank you for your mercy and for your grace. God, I am a sinner. I've messed up. 
and I need to change my ways. Become the Lord of my life. Come into my heart and guide me all the days of my life. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that and you meant that and that was your first time, then absolutely God took you at your word and now the Holy Spirit's gonna be within you and give you guidance. If you gave your heart to the Christ for the first time, or maybe you have any other prayer or questions, we have a table up here. You guys can come on up. They have, uh, we have some people up here that wanna pray with you or talk to you. You can do that. But here's my encouragement. For those of you who that was not your first time, don't walk around this world blind. Live life with the guidance that the Holy Spirit has already provided for you. Listen and obey and walk in his willingness. Sound good? Yes. Sound good. All right. God bless. Have a great day. And I uh, hope to see you all at Harvest Palooza.